Thank you for that great welcome. Um, it's good to be here. Um, I'm honored to start off this incredible gathering with you. And uh, I kind of feel like I'm amongst my people, uh, being amongst educators again. And even though I served at Rehoboth Christian School for 24 years, um, the truth is, is that my roots started in Creston Christian School in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and then on to Grand Rapids Christian, where I graduated in 1987. Um, and, uh, but then, you know, just looking out and just thinking of the teachers that have uh, impacted me and, and just, uh, it's pretty amazing to be back in this place. We'll see if my PowerPoint warms up here. There we go. Good. One of the best lessons I learned was in kindergarten. Well, not actually in kindergarten. It was actually an interview for a kindergarten teacher assistant. I was a pretty new head principal and on a search committee to find a teacher aide for the kindergarten classroom. Mrs. Gilson, a kindergarten teacher at Rehoboth, a master and still legendary in the classroom, was leading the questioning. She asked each of the candidates this question. What would you do if you saw a child struggling to put on his art smock as we were transitioning to art time? I was impressed with the candidates who spoke of how they would be quick to notice those students who were struggling. They spoke of their attentiveness and their awareness of situations around them. Good answer, I thought. Other candidates spoke of how they would rush over to the student and untangle him and help with the ties or buttons. Perfect, I thought. We need a teacher aide who can jump in and help out like that. Mrs. Gilson was not so impressed. As we processed the answers later, she shared her deep disappointment and how she wasn't sure we had interviewed a viable candidate. Wait, what about all of those who wanted to be so helpful? Surely they would be of great help to you. Mrs. Gilson sternly replied, Sure, they would be of great help to me, but they would fail to teach the children. Rule number one in her kindergarten classroom is that we will never do for a child what he or she can do for him or herself. Whoops. I took this lesson from kindergarten, from the kindergarten teacher, into many aspects of my life. As I sent my first child off to college, I realized I had definitely violated this rule number one. And I had to quickly backtrack and teach him things like online banking. Not laundry, however. In my house, learning the washing machine is your 10th birthday present. It's a wonderful gift to me. Teachers, I'm here to bring you this number one rule. Don't do for someone what he or she can do for him or herself. Fast forward to 2018. I'm no longer superintendent of Rehoboth Christian School, but the executive director of World Renew. 
a ministry that started in the Christian Reformed Church of North America as CRWRC, the Christian Reformed World Relief Committee, but has grown to encompass multiple denominations and garnered the support of US and Canadian governments, as well as many European funders. Last year, World Renews programs in poverty alleviation and disaster response impacted over 600,000 lives. And this year, we may reach over 900,000, perhaps even a million. I still have rule number one in my heart and mind as foundational. But now I am not staring into the face of a child struggling to put on his art smock looking into the eyes of a South Sudanese pastor who has arrived in the Bidi Bidi refugee camp in Uganda. He has lost everything and everyone. He wants to end his life. I am looking into the eyes of a Rohingya woman who watched her husband and son gunned down in Myanmar and is trying to survive in a tarp-covered shelter as the typhoon season gears up in Bangladesh. I am seeing the tears in the eyes of Louisa, who survived Hurricane Harvey in Port Arthur, Texas, but is just being told by World Renew's disaster response team that their work to rip out the drywall infested with black mold is not going to save her home because the beams underneath are so rotted that the drywall is actually holding the structure up. Her house is not safe and will need to be torn down. I'm seeing the intensity of the eyes in the heart, the eyes and heart of a village leader in western Zambia as he explains that the rains no longer come at the right times and in the right amounts, and that his people can no longer grow enough food during the dry season, or the hungry season, as they call it. World Renew works with some of the most vulnerable people in the world, the poorest of the poor, in about 40 countries, those living on a dollar and 25 cents or less a day. I want to help them. I want to be aware and attentive to their struggle in the world. I want to rush over and help and offer my assistance. Aren't we called, in fact, to do so? Isn't this part of being called into the life of the world for the life of the world? To be a kingdom builder? Yes. Yes, 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 it is. But as you feel the compassion and are fueled by the passion to be someone who is called for the life of the world, I want you to pause a moment and consider the poor. Psalm 41, verse 1 says, Blessed are those who consider the poor. You see, this isn't about you. As an educator, you get this. The classroom experience is not about you. It is about the learning and development of children. It's about them. And how you teach and what you teach can develop those children into adults who are seeking God's perspective in every place and every circumstance. Or you can stunt them as you malnourish them and feed easy answers to complex questions 
I miss the very hard work of true kingdom building that Jesus places before us. Perhaps you can skip the hard questions about the brokenness and inequity in our world altogether so that the next generation doesn't have to consider the poor. But the poor are with us. There are 1.3 billion people living in extreme poverty and a record high of 68.5 million people seeking refuge today due to forced displacement. I'd like to get to some semantics clearly stated here. Let's try to change our conversation and not talk about and talk about people living in poverty, not the poor. The CEO of the American Leprosy Mission recently told me that he is weary of hearing people talk about lepers. My sister was recently diagnosed with breast cancer, and I don't refer to her as a cancer. Likewise, we should not talk about lepers, but about people who have leprosy. This is the same for the people in extreme poverty. Let's not label them by their circumstance, the poor. They are some of the richest, most beautiful people I have ever encountered. Let's dignify them and honor them, even in the way that we identify them. So how do you engage young people in your classroom to consider their call to people who live in poverty? At World Renew, we live by rule number one. Never do for someone that, what he, that which he or she can do for him or herself. We admit that we can actually hurt the very people that we are trying to help. You see, poverty is not solved by stuff. Poverty is a symptom of a broken world. We believe that the world created by God was in perfect relationship. God's perfect relationship to people, our relationship to creation, our relationship to each other, and even our relationship with ourselves, all in perfect balance. Sin broke those perfect connections, and now we live in that brokenness. It is only by renewing those connections to their original intentions that we can see God's kingdom here on earth. You see, poverty is not about a lack of stuff. If it was, we'd have solved it. There is plenty of stuff in the world to alleviate poverty. The causes of poverty go much deeper. If you and your schools are going to transform this world and have an impact on poverty, you need to learn your ABCDs. World Renew works in a community development model that uses ABCD, asset-based community development. This is a shift in stance as of how we enter a learning space. We enter as guests invited into the space, the village, the church, the town square, and we enter in looking at what the people in the space already have. What are the assets? We don't go in with deficit thinking. Those living in poverty will often think that they have nothing, just as your students may default to thinking that they don't know anything and they can't engage in a new topic or in a new skill. But if you sit down, spend some time listening, the 
assets and the knowledge start to come forward. This is a very different way of approaching places of poverty. And we have not always done it correctly. When you have a learning space, it is important to set aside time for failure labs. The learning cycle involves failing as a critical part. Take time to look inward and to be transparent about what has not worked in your classroom, in your school. One of our failures at World Renew was prefaced with great success. We were running a maternal newborn child health program, teaching women about the importance of nutrition, of a balanced diet, about breastfeeding their babies, about clean water and hygiene. We were teaching this for the first 1,000 days of life, from conception to about age two. The program saved lives of children and mothers by teaching them to eat right during pregnancy and to ensure proper hygiene. The mothers took to every aspect of the program so well that we decided to expand it and spread to other villages. As we had our eyes on expansion, someone thought of the great idea of giving the new participants a gift for their participation, a wash tub with soap for washing, some clothing, and other necessities for a newborn. Great idea, and it was easy to get a funder. As we started the program up in a nearby village, the women of the original village showed up and wanted to participate. We were surprised. They already knew these teachings and had fully implemented them. Some of them knew it well enough they could have been trainers at other villages. Why would they want to start over? They wanted the gift basket. But we told them, you have to be in, pregnant and part of the program to get the gift basket. So they returned a few months later, pregnant. Down the drain went all our careful teaching about the need for spacing between pregnancies, all because a generous idea had gone wrong. We were trying to help, and stuff got in the way. The stuff caused setbacks, even harm, to the very people we were trying to assist. This is the theme of the book, When Helping Hurts, which many of you in your churches may have studied. This occurs time and time again in relief and development work with long-term consequences like we experienced in our maternal newborn child health program and frustrating recovery setbacks like the plethora of backpacks and school supplies that show up in Haiti every time a hurricane or earthquake strikes the country. Our humble store owners are put out of business by the generosity of Americans trying to respond. My challenge to you today is to find ways that you can teach children that every person who lives in poverty is created in the image of God, is loved by God, is worthy of dignity, and is not in the situation because they are dumb and has the potential to flourish if given the opportunity. 
ABCD stands for Asset-Based Community Development. But I also want to propose that it could stand for a beautiful child with dignity. This is Mary. Mary was an alcoholic. She lives in a village in Tanzania that reminded me of some of the darkest places on the Navajo Reservation. Her village had been identified by the government as a place of extreme poverty, high addictions, high mortality rates, and prone to the worst diseases. Yet because of the grip of witchcraft, no government workers would go there to help. The village was basically declared helpless. Sounds like a perfect place for World Renew to enter. And so we did. Or rather, our partner organization did. You see, World Renew believes that we need to work through the local church. We do not want communities to see World Renew as the savior, but to see their local church as representing the hands and feet of Jesus. We know that we will not always be in that community. So we build up the capacity of the local church and then we graduate the community and move on. But the local church remains. So in this village, under the powers of darkness in Tanzania, enters the African Inland Church of Tanzania. The first person sent was run out of town. But the second one took a low profile approach and hung out under a mango tree. He got to know people, asked them what they had, what they dreamed of becoming, and how they might get there. He built relationships. And when the time was right, he showed them the Jesus film. Mary was there that night, and her life was completely transformed. I got to hear Mary's story as I sat in the church building built by the community large enough to fit everyone in the entire village because they want everyone to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Mary stood up front and told how she was completely addicted to moonshine. She drank until she passed out, and people would drag her home. She was not a nice person when she was drunk. She was violent. She told me that she had beaten up most of the men sitting in the front row, and as I glanced over them, they were nodding their heads remembering. Mary wept as she told me that she was such a terrible, neglectful mother that one time she brought a kilo of meat. And as her four hungry children watched, she cooked up that kilo of meat and proceeded to eat the entire thing all herself. She had hit an all-time low. But then came the night when she saw the Jesus film. She was astounded at the love of Jesus and amazed that he could love even her. She realized it was true because this worker from the African Inland Church of Tanzania lived out that same kind of testimony of love in their village every day. She committed her life that night and has never looked back. She continued to learn from programs that World Renew brought to her village. She learned about nutrition and clean water. She learned how to save money with a group and took out a loan from the group to start raising chickens. She proudly paid back that loan and bought some more chickens. Mary discovered that she had assets. She had tapped into ABCD, Asset-Based Community Development, and was an ABCD. 
a beautiful child who did. Mary cooked the lunch for all of us visiting that day. And as I ate that stewed chicken and saw Mary serving everyone else and not eating any herself, I felt a divine presence in the air. When I talk to children at your schools about Mary, I ask them a tough question. I ask them what they could do to help someone like Mary. What could you put in a box and send to Mary to bring about such a transformation? Some kids say, money. And then I remind them, she probably would have spent it all in alcohol. Well, how about food? Mary might have eaten it all herself and not shared it with the children. A Bible. Mary can't read, at least not yet. Poverty is not about stuff, and it can't be fixed by things. It is about broken relationships and requires a transformed worldview, surrounded in the truth, in the love of truth with a capital T. So what is my challenge for you today? My challenge is not popular. We like to have the learning be about us. We like the helping to feel good for us, to be fun and hands-on, to involve shopping trips that can save the poor. What if you knew that some of that helping actually hurts? What if your carefully packed box now arrived in Mary's village and one of her four children was selected to be a recipient? Wouldn't that be lovely for her daughter to get some toothpaste, soap, socks, and school supplies from some unnamed American? But take a moment to consider the poor. What havoc could your box do in that family? What about the other three children? What about the friend in Mary's savings group who decided to go into the soap making business so that she could pay for the school fees and tuition for her children? How much business will she lose in the months to come after the boxes with all that free soap arrive in the village? And what are socks anyway? What about Mary? Consider Mary. She has restored her correct relationship as the protector and provider for her children. She is carefully planning out how she will get her children everything they need. And they see her now in that role. What happens to her dignity as a parent when others assume that role for her? This is Charles. His smile won't fit in a box. Charles is the African Inland Church of Tanzania worker that helped Mary change her story from one of poverty into one of flourishing and dignity. Please, as you create learning spaces and serving places in your schools, remember rule number one, never do for someone what he or she can do for him or herself. So what do you do? You can get involved with organizations who have thought this through and who learn from their mistakes 
and are committed to ABCD. Go hands-on in the way you raise the funds, bake sales, carnivals, car washes, but don't prescribe the things to send to another place. Give ABCD, a beautiful child of God, the dignity that he or she encompasses. And go out and see it. World Renew hosts educator tours so that you can better understand the work and the way that ABCD takes on a life of its own. This is Mary Oliver, whose story I heard during a rainstorm in a hut in Uganda. She shared with me how miserable she was in her marriage until World Renew's program came into her life through the, the Church of Uganda. After she shared the complete transformation of all aspects of her marriage and life, she told me this story. There was a man and a woman who were in a difficult marriage. She thought she might lose her marriage, so she decided to go to a witch doctor. The witch doctor told her that he could help her save her marriage, but it would take a hair from the beard of a lion. She was dismayed. How can I reach a lion in this way? It is impossible. The witch doctor told her it was the only way to save her marriage. So the woman became determined to get the hair from the lion. The woman went home and quietly worked hard to earn extra money. With the money, she bought a goat. She then slaughtered the goat and went out to find the lion. When the lion saw her, he started running toward her. When he was getting close, she threw a piece of meat as far as she could. When he finished that piece of meat, she threw another a little bit closer to her. She did this a few times, and when the lion seemed way too close, she hurled the rest of the goat at the lion. The lion enjoyed his meal completely. The woman carefully pulled a hair from the lion without him even noticing. When the lion was done eating the entire goat, he thought, now where is that woman? I should like to taste her. He looked up and realized she was gone. The woman took the hair of the lion to the witch doctor. He was surprised. Oh, you have brought it. Yes, I got it, she asserted as she let her heart and breath catch up with her body. I am really surprised what you did. With all your planning and bravery, getting a hair from a lion is no easy feat. How bold. Now, the witch doctor said to her, what about your husband, who is human, just like you? Isn't there something you could do to bring back your marriage? I don't have any medicine to give you. There is no magic potion for marriage. It is all hard work and commitment. And it is something no one can do for you. You have to do it all by yourself. The woman went home and began to work at her marriage in a new way. Mary Oliver concluded, this story is just like me. I was just like that woman. World Renew was like the witch doctor who turned the woman around and unleashed her true potential. 
I am so grateful for this program. If not for this program, I would have separated from my husband and my children would be suffering. Now I am happy with my husband and in my marriage. Thank you for being my witch doctor. We haven't put that on a brochure yet. <laughs> Christian school educators, I'm gonna say something to you that you have never heard before and likely will never hear again. Go and be the witch doctors of the world. Unleash the potential and power seated in your classrooms and help them unleash the power and potential of people living in poverty. I challenge you to transform your learning spaces and your serving places to truly consider people living in poverty. They are people with so much dignity and potential who happen to live in poverty. Seek to see them through God's perspective in every place and in every circumstance and help your students to do the same for the life of the world. Thank you.